Welcome. Oh gosh, we are here. We are doing this. I'm excited. I'm all the feels right now. I'm just super nervous. I'm excited. This is happening. So welcome to my first episode. I'm your host, Christina, and welcome to Twisted Wicked Crime. Now, I can't tell you how excited I am to be doing this and how nervous I am at the same time because I have a fear of public speaking, and so I am anxious to to get this out here. (laughs) But today we are going to talk about Charles Schmid, and I believe I'm pronouncing his last name right. It's spelled like Schmid, so we're going with that. Something you should know about me, I'm going to mispronounce everything. Names, places, anything, I'm going to mispronounce it. And I do not mean to do it on purpose, and I do not mean to offend anybody, but I believe his name is Charles Schmid. So we're going with Schmid. Now, Charles is also known as the Pied Piper of Tucson. Now, I picked this case because I live in Tucson. I was born here. I'm married, I'm raising a daughter here, and I wanted to find a case from Arizona, and I came across Charles Schmid, aka the Pied Piper of Tucson. Now, I hadn't heard a little bit about him in previous, so I had fun researching this, and we're just going to dive right in. So, Charles, he was known to kill, confirmed, three teenage girls from 1964 to 1966. Now, it is rumored that he killed a fourth, but there's no confirmation of that. So we know confirmed three. Now, Charles was born on July 8th, 1942 in Tucson, Arizona. Now, Charles' mother was very young and she was unwed. So in the 60s, that was kind of like a no-no. So she gave Charles up for adoption. Now, Charles was adopted by a very well-off couple named Charles Sr. and Catherine Schmid. Now, they were the owners and operators of Hillcrest Nursing Home. Now, this particular nursing home is no longer in business, but growing up, I do remember seeing Hillcrest, so it was around for quite a while. Now, (coughs) Charles was the only child that they had, and so let's say he was very, very spoiled. They spoiled Charles like crazy. They gave him a monthly allowance, like that would be equivalent to like $3,000 a month today. So you can just see how spoiled he was. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's just crazy. And that's like every kid's dream, right? Now, I'm jealous that my, he got that. Now, I'm sorry to my daughter. You're not going to get anything close to that, but you will get an allowance. I love you, but no, you'll get what you get. Charles and his adoptive dad did not always get along. Um, They were rumored, well, not rumored. They were actually known to not get along. It's said that they argued a lot. And the fight seemed to be about how poorly Charles was doing in school. Now, his teachers described him as very intelligent. So it was very shocking because he was and he was just doing poorly in school. So it's kind of like he didn't want to put in the effort. Now, he did excel in gymnastics, which, wow, you know, this was in his high school career team. Now, if you're from Tucson, he went to Palo Verde High School. 
Now, I had a few friends that went there, not at this time, obviously, but Charles led the team to a championship. And so he was just thriving in that. And that same year, he got caught stealing from the machine machine store. Excuse me. (laughs) I'm getting tripped up. Machine store. I told you I'm having trouble. Machine, Machine store and he was stealing tools. Now, he got suspended, but Charles at that point decided he was never going back to school. And he was just like a few months away from graduating, too. Now, his parents decided, you know, no biggie. We're just going to keep, you know, giving him his allowance and got him a new car. And Charles was living in a house like on their property. So he was just living the good life. And, you know, at this time... He was cruising around town, picking up the chicas, you know, doing guy things with his guy friends. Now, he had three guy friends that he usually hung around. And they were also gross human beings like Charles. So, Paul Graff. Paul was known around town as a bad guy. He murdered someone during an armed robbery. And he spent some time in prison. Now, Richie Bruins. No, they were also younger than him, by the way. And John Saunders were the other two guys that hung around him. And they called him Schmitty or Romeo of Tucson. And I have to laugh at this because when I post pictures on my Instagram, this guy is not the Romeo of Tucson. I mean, he's not my cup of tea. He might have been to some people, but I don't I don't get it. I don't understand why he got so many girls. But he did. Now, he was known to hang around younger people. So this is kind of how he got his Pied Piper of Tucson nickname. And he was just an all-over strange dude. At age 18, he started wearing makeup and he dyed his hair black. Now, he wanted to make himself look scarier. So he drew a large mole on his face. And you can see pictures of this. And it's not even like a beauty mark. It is like a black drawn on marker mark and it's disgusting just like him so it 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 just shows like how he was (laughs) now charles was five three and he wanted to be taller so he started wearing cowboy boots that were way too large for him and he was stuffing them with crushed up cans with claws you name it to make himself taller because you know just own your height dude just own it Now, he loved Elvis, and he was trying to be like him, which, if you look at pictures, he definitely was not. Now, his friends, um, Richie and Paul and uh, John, would say that he would stand in front of the mirror for hours after getting ready, just admiring himself. This guy was full of it. Like, And again, I I don't get it. I'm going to show you guys photos of him, like I said, on my Instagram. But he was way into himself. And this is just gross because when you see a picture of him, you're going to understand why this is gross. He would tell women that he knew a hundred ways to make love. And he had women throwing themselves at him. And they would do anything for him, including his girlfriend, Mary Ray French. So on May 31st, 1964, he was hanging out with his girlfriend, Mary Ray French, and John Saunders. 
Out of nowhere, Charles says, I really want to kill someone, and I think we can get away with it. He knew exactly who he wanted to kill, too. 15-year-old Eileen Rowe. Now, Eileen lived with her divorced mom, and they lived on the same street as Mary French. She dreamed of being an oceanographer, and she just seemed like a really cool, sweet girl overall. And this is just disgusting and sad what's going to happen to her. I'm going to give you a warning. It's not pretty. And if you want like hearing certain things, you might want to skip ahead just a little bit. <laughs> now, Mary would hang around Eileen and Eileen's mom, Norma, did not like this because they were smoking a lot and really Eileen was doing things that she shouldn't be doing. Now, it's not really known why Charles targeted Eileen, but he did. So on May 31st, Charles got in his car and John and Mary headed to Eileen's house. Now, Eileen was home alone because her mom was a nurse and she was working a night shift. And so Eileen went to bed early because she had a big test the next day. She had curlers in her hair, like just being the sweetest. She's like, I got a big test. I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to crush it. Just this girl had so much ahead of her and it's just awful, awful. Now, she had fallen asleep and up comes Mary knocking on her window. Now, this must have woken her up because Mary was like, hey, let's go with John and Charles and let's go get some drinks. Come with me. Now, Eileen went with them. So obviously she was convinced and it's just like, no girl, no, just say no. We all know what's coming. So there they were and they drove to a location and Mary sat in the car while Charles and John walked her down to a stream bed. Now, being and living in Tucson, there aren't any stream beds here, so I'm not familiar with if the 60s had stream beds, but I can't picture it now because, well, we're desert and I I've never seen any stream beds, but again, this was the 60s. So Mary sat in the car while Charles and John walked her down to the stream bed, and here's the warning. Here they raped her, they took turns raping her, and then they beat her to death with rocks in the head. <sighs> you guys, I just can't with this. This is already like my stomach turns with this. This is just a disgusting man, a disgusting human gaze. This story is wild. I mean, the things that happen, this guy, Charles, and just the way people flocked to him and were under his influence was just insane. But at that point, Charles was very excited and he went back to Mary and he says, we just killed her and I love you very much. Now, if I was Mary, I'd be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. You did what? Now, of course, kind Mary knew what was happening. She drove to Eileen. She was a part of it, bringing her into the car. But still, I'd be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. But, you know, Mary was, like, very much in love with Charles. 
She worshipped him and would do anything for him. And Mary was described as frumpy, so I can imagine she wasn't a very good-looking girl, so when Charles paid attention to her, she was all over that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do anything for him. I love him. I'm obsessed with him. Now, Charles convinced Mary to get a shovel and help bury her. So, of course, like I said, Mary was obsessed with Charles. So she got the shovel and she helped bury poor Eileen in the desert. I I just can't believe it. After that, they wiped down the car and then they drove home like nothing had happened. They're just going to go about their lives. Now, Charles at this point had a few girlfriends, not just Mary, and... It was known that he bought $13 engagement rings and gave them to two girls. So he was engaged. And again, I don't understand why women loved him because he is disgusting. He looks disgusting. He is a garbage human being. Now, Eileen's dad told her mom that when she went missing, that he had like this gut feeling, this uneasy feeling that. Eileen was dead somewhere in the desert. Now, it was known that Eileen liked to take walks in the desert. Now, we live in the desert. There's lots of desert everywhere. So this wasn't unusual for her to go off and go, like, on a hike, basically. Um, But her dad had this gut feeling. And her parents, even though they were divorced, still kept in contact with each other. So her dad is telling Norma, her mom, this. And so they go to the police and they... They tell her, you know, look, our daughter's missing. We think she's, you know, we don't know where she is. Now the police were like, okay, she's how old? She's a teenager. She ran away. Guys, this irritates me. (laughs) This sweet girl was in her curlers getting ready for bed, in bed, ready for a test the next day. And I don't know why the police just assumed because she was a teenager that she ran away. But anyway, they did. So now they're losing precious time. Now, Norma didn't want to believe this. Now, Norma is a badass mama. So she took it upon herself to find her. She had a strange feeling that Charles had something to do with it. Because remember, she didn't like Charles. She didn't like Mary. She didn't like any of them. She had a very, very horrible feeling about all of them. So she had a feeling that Charles had something to do with it. And so she decided that she was going to follow him around pretty much everywhere to see if maybe Eileen was near him or maybe if he would give her some kind of indication of where Eileen was or what happened to her. Now, this is sad because she would leave her porch light on every night in hopes that if Eileen was alive, she would come home. And I mean, I guess as a mother, I would do that too. But you know, when you're a mom and you have that gut feeling, her mom knew, her mom knew in her gut, her dad knew. It's just like, where is Eileen? Where is she? Let's, let's, you know, let's get this to rest. Now, this case went cold because Eileen never showed up and police, you know, they were like, she ran away and then couldn't find any leads once they realized that she didn't. Um, So yeah, that kind of went cold case. Now, a year later, after Eileen's killing, Charles was dating Gretchen Fritsch. 
Fritz. <laughs> I did it. I messed up her name. Fritz, 17 years old. She went to private school and her and Charles met in a park. Now, Gretchen, if you look up a picture of her, was gorgeous. But Gretchen wasn't well liked among the girls at school. She was, well, she wasn't kind of. She was a troublemaker. She was a liar and people just didn't like her. Well, enter Charles. They were pretty much alike, right? Charles is a manipulator. He's Mr. Charming, right? So, of course, they were together always. Now, she was super clingy with Charles. I mean, she was, talk about obsessed. We thought Mary was, like, obsessed. No, no, no. Gretch. Our friend Gretch was. She would follow him, keep tabs on him. She needed to know everywhere he was at all times. Charles was like, no, this ain't happening. You're not, you're not keeping tabs on me. You're not following me. Just, just stop it, Gretch. So he said he's going to break up with her. Now, there's one little problem. Charles told our friend Gretchen that he killed Eileen and he even took her to where she was buried. So Gretchen, <laughs> little Gretchy Poo, was like, you break up with me. I'm going to tell everyone what you did. Now, of course, Charles didn't like this, right? He was like, mm, all right. <laughs> so Charles was out for revenge. Gretchen and her little sister, Wendy, who was 13 years old, decided that they were going to go to a drive-in. And apparently Gretchen said that she knew about one other murder. So that's like where the fourth one was kind of rumored to be about. But on August 16th, 1965, Gretchen and her little sister, Wendy, set out to see uh, Elvis movie at the drive-in theater. Now, this was the last time anyone saw either one of them alive. And again, I'm going to reiterate, Wendy was 13. Now, this is three girls around the same age, missing within a year. You would think police would be like, okay, there's a connection. Something's going on. Nope. Guess what they did? They said they ran away. Shocking. Now, their dad was like, no, no, no. They didn't run away. And he he hired a private detective. And they found Gretchen's car parked behind the Flamingo Hotel. Now, you guys, I remember this hotel. And I'd have to look up if it's still, still around. I feel like the building is or... At least it's been around since before COVID hit. I want to say it is, but don't quote me on that. But uh, I do remember I can picture it in my head. This this hotel, well, in my day, looked very shady and I would never be a part of that hotel or want to stay there. But back in the day, maybe it was the jam, the joint. That's where you go. But anyway, it was kind of weird that they found her car behind this hotel And all her stuff was in it. Her purse with lots of money. Just 
something was not adding up. Now, Charles told Richie what he had done. Now, Charles tracked them down and invited them back to his place. And he's telling this one night to his good old buddy Richie, like Richie's not going to think anything of it. Now, he told him, I killed her right here in the living room. And Wendy was crying, so I strangled her and killed her too. Then I dumped them in my trunk. And then I ran off and I just dumped them out in the open. Like, I don't care at this point. I just dumped them. I cleaned up my truck and then I ditched it. Now... Because Charles showed Richie where Eileen was buried, he didn't. He knew like that Richie wasn't going to speak. Actually, a lot of people kind of around town were like, "Charles did this and that," and nobody spoke up because he was the Pied Piper of Tucson. He had everybody under his spell. He just was like the man, and I don't understand. Stand it. I don't get it, you guys. Somebody please explain to me. When you look at this guy's photo and you're hearing his story, how he had a people under his spell. How did this happen? But nobody would speak up. Were they afraid of him? I don't know. Were they afraid? Who knows? We, we have no idea what was going on in Charles' head. None whatsoever. Now, Charles was telling Richie he was actually really worried that he left the bodies out in the open. So him and Richie went together to bury the bodies. Now, this is Charles' plan. He wants to get Richie involved because if Richie's involved, he's not going to rat him out. Now, he made Richie touch a few things like shoes and things that he made him throw so that his fingerprints were all over it. Now, at this time, Richie was dating a girl named Kathy McGrath. Now, Richie was constantly stalking Kathy, and not in like a sick weirdo way, even though it sounds like it. He was more worried about her being Charles's next victim, and we'll get to the reasoning why here a little later. Now, he was just stalking her to make sure she was safe, and like I said, he thought that Charles' next victim. So when Charles invited Richie to a party, Richie was like, uh, hell yeah, I'll be there. Because he knows that if he goes to this party, he has an eye on Charles and then he'll know that Kathy is safe. Now, when Richie got there, guess what? Oh, there was no party. And shocking, Charles was not there. So, of course, Richie's kind of like panicking because my head went to. Oh, God, he's going after Kathy. Richie was right. Harry thought he was safe going to a party, and Charles isn't there. Now, there was a small group of new friends of Charles hanging out, and they had said they'd been there for about 30 minutes and that Charles would be back in a little while. Okay, again, how people are under his spell. These new people are just waiting 30 minutes for Charles in his house? Like, what the hell? Who is this guy? I don't know. Anyway, Charles showed up and he had two other guys with him. 
and Charles told them that they were from the mafia, asking about Gretchen and Wendy. Now, really, you guys, they really were from the mafia because later they become big names in New York. And how did this guy get messed up in the mafia? This is where this story is just bananas. Like, (laughs) come on, Charles, like the mafia. And where did you get these guys from? Like, where did they find you? And anyway, Richie is just terrified out of his mind. He didn't know what happened to them. He's telling these two guys from the mafia, I I have no idea what happened to them. And I believe Gretchen actually ran away with another guy off to California. And Wendy probably went with her. And they're like, okay. And he's like, I wish that I could find them myself. (sighs) Oh, Richie, you just messed it up, dude. Thinking that the mafia would be like, yeah, okay. No, no, no. These guys from the mafia were, all right, let's make that happen. Let's go to California. So... Charles is freaking out. He's like, oh, they're going to California to look for Gretchen and Wendy when I'm the one that killed them. And I'm going to, the mafia is going to get me. They're going to get me. So I'm going to laugh at this because this is just ridiculous. (laughs) Charles called J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI. And he said he needs help and having protection against the mafia. He said the mafia is going to be after him and he needs protection. And basically the FBI was like, okay, dude, we'll be right there. Right. They're like, we'll be there. We'll be there tomorrow. We'll get you that protection that you need. They basically laughed at him. (laughs) Yeah. um, Nope. Sorry, Charles. You got yourself into a good mess right now. Now, the mafia showed up and said, let's go to San Diego. Let's go find them. Now, they get there and on August 28th, Charles was arrested in California impersonating an FBI agent. Why was he impersonating an FBI agent, you ask? Well, he was questioning girls around San Diego and the beach about Gretchen and Wendy and what have they seen them, what happened to them, because he was trying to get the mafia off his ass. He was trying to get them away because he knew it was going to happen. The mafia was going to get him. Now, what I don't understand is why the mafia was so interested in Gretchen and Wendy. Uh, somehow Charles must have got them involved in that. And I don't know clearly how he would do that. But anyway, the mafia is in this in Tucson, in freaking San Diego as well. And yeah. <laughs> so when the police questioned Charles of this, they were like, okay. And they didn't have any evidence against him in the disappearance of Gretchen or Wendy. And Tucson police were like, we've already questioned this guy. He He's cleared. He has nothing to do. So the police of San Diego let him go. Now, between mm, September and October 1965, Charles married a 15-year-old. You guys, oh, my stomach. Like, this is disgusting. Charles is 22 years old at this time. Okay? Why? Why, Charles? Why? Uh, So Paul, our buddy Paul Gaff, you know, the one that uh, spent a little prison time for killing a man in an armed robbery, 
he was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You're married to a 15-year-old and you're how old? Like, no, 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 no. You need to not do that. Charles lost his ever freaking mind when this happened. He went cray cray. He went running outside in his underwear, jumping up and down, talking nonsense, saying, God will punish me, just whacked out of his mind over what Paul said. It's like, clearly this guy had some mental issues or something. I mean, I mean, you look at him when he puts his makeup on, it's caked on. He's drawn a fake mole on his face to scare people. Like, this guy's insane. Insane. <laughs> now, Richie was arrested because Kathy's mom was like, he's stalking my daughter. And Richie was told, he didn't get like a punishment. He was just told, get out of town and stay away from Kathy. So Richie decided that he was going to go to his grandma's in Ohio. And he was still worried about Kathy. Um, Cause he just was like, Charles is going to make her the next victim. And he, I'm sorry, I got cut off a little bit there. So he is staying with his grandma and he's still very worried about Kathy. But he can't contact Kathy. But he's like, something's going to happen. Now, the reason he was so worried was that Charles once told him, if you snitch on me, if you do whatever, I'm going to unbury one of those girls put her head on a stick, and put it on Kathy's porch. Holy hell, you guys. Charles is a sick and twisted man. Now, because Richie was so worried, he decided one night that he was going to spill it all to Grandma. He told her everything. Told him about told her about Charles, told her about everybody, everybody, everything, everything he knew. He was a rat. Now, he later wrote a book, which I would love to read, called I a Squealer, because, spoiler alert, he's the one that uh, sets it all on fire and takes Charles down, essentially. But yeah, um, I asked Squealer, and I, I really want to read that book because I feel like it's going to be fabulous, <laughs> especially hearing what I know about Richie and his involvement in this. I just, I feel like it's going to be a great read, and I need to check it out. So anyway, he told Grandma, and Grandma's like, what the hell? If this is true, you need to call the police. And that's exactly what Richie did. He made a confession to the police in Ohio. And then he said, I will take you to where these girls are buried. Now, they got him back to Tucson, and he took them to where they were buried. Now, Richie said Charles wouldn't confess to any of this because he had once told Richie, if I ever get caught, I'm never going to confess to anything because I just want to torture them and everybody this is an evil man. 
He killed three teenage girls, a 13-year-old. He's getting enjoyment out of it. He wants to torture the police by not confessing. He said he's going to put a head on a stick of his friend's girlfriend's house to prove what would happen to her if any of them told. I'm telling you, the spell and the power he had over these people is just insane. Insanity. I can't with this guy. You guys, I can't believe this happened in Tucson. Like, I live here. I mean, crime happens here all the time, but a serial killer? I kind of want to know. I don't think either one of my parents lived here at that time, but I'm going to ask them because I'm kind of curious if they did, if they, they remember this guy, because I feel like, well, I don't feel like I know this was national news, like world news. This guy is disgusting. He just makes me to my stomach. Now, (laughs) because Richie confessed everything, he told everybody that was involved. And so rightfully so they all get convicted. Now, Mary was arrested on November 15th, 1965 in connection with what Richie had said because Richie said that she was lying and that she definitely had involvement in it and she helped bury Eileen's body. And her sentencing was four to five years in prison, but she earned three. She is just as disgusting as the rest of them. She helped bury the body. She helped drive Eileen to get raped and beat to death. And she helped bury the body and she got four to five years, but only served three because she was a good model prisoner. Now, John Saunders pled guilty to second degree murder and he got life. Now, when he got sentenced, he was 19 years old. Now, Richie, our good friend Richie, the ice squealer, you hate him, but you love him. I feel like Richie was just this innocent guy that just got caught up in the wrong thing. I I don't really hate Richie. I don't love him either. But anyway, Richie, we're proud of you, buddy, for, for coming forward. We're, we're super proud of you. He only got one year probation, which I suppose, and I don't suppose, I, I know it's probably because he spilled the beans. He told them everything they wanted to know, so you get off on good behavior with one year probation. Now, of course, Charles denied everything. And during trial, he tried to put everything back on Richie. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so shocked. That's why he had him involved in it, right? Because he's going to put everything back on Richie. Blah, blah, blah. Cry me a river, Charles. Now, the jury didn't believe this, and Charles was sentenced to death for the three murders of Eileen, Gretchen, and Wendy. Those poor girls, you guys, all their parents. As a mother, I don't want to do child cases. I don't. But they need to be said. These people need to be recognized. My stomach just hurts as a parent. Like, I never, ever, ever want to know what that feels like. I just, it makes me sick to my stomach. So anyway, he got sentenced to death for the three murders. Now, in 1972, the death sentence was considered unconstitutional. So then that was reversed and he got life in prison. Now, Richie, or I'm sorry, not Richie, Charles, you know, because he loved fucking with people, was trying to buy himself a little time. And he was like, I'm going to take them and show them where Eileen's buried. And 
they exuberated. Is that how you say that? Exuberated? <laughs> Exhaust. Uh, anyway, they un- they got Eileen's body. Okay, I'm not even going to try to get that going because we know I'm already butchering it. He got her. They got her body out and her skull was indeed bashed in. Now, Charles said that he didn't do it and they're not going to find anything, right? Now, there's a famous photo of Charles with his big old hands holding Eileen's skull. Why they let him do this, I don't know. It's like an eerie photo. It's very eerie. And I'm going to find it and I'm going to post it to my Instagram. But you could see the holes, the bludgeoning, just everything. There was no way that he didn't do it. But Charles is like, be careful with that skull because this skull is going to prove my innocence. Oh, no, no, Charles. That's that's not the case at all. Anyway, he got life in prison. And while he was serving his time, he tried to escape several, many, many times this man tried to escape. And one time he actually did. He made a bestie friend in prison named Howard and they got out and they ran for it. And along the way, they were headed to Tempe, Arizona. And along the way, they took four hostages. You think like you'd get out of prison, you'd go into hiding. Nope. These motherfuckers were like, let's take four hostages with us. So they made it to Tempe area and they were holding these hostages up in like a ranch style house, I guess, or like a ranch somewhere. Um, for some reason, they decided to let these hostages go and they decided to go their separate ways. They're like, we're free. We're going to go our separate ways. Now, it didn't take long for police to actually re-catch Charles. It was only a a couple days. And, you know, <laughs> back into prison you go. I'm laughing because when they caught Charles after escaping from prison, he was wearing a blonde wig, a woman's wig. And this thing was huge. And it's the most ridiculous photo. And I want to post it too, because it's hilarious. This dude with his makeup, his mole, now a wig. He is just, he's extra. You guys, he is so extra. And this case is just insane. Like the mafia Charles being Romeo of Tucson, just the whole thing is just, wow. Like, I can't even. (laughs) Anyway, he was back in prison. He decided he was going to write poetry, and apparently they were pretty good, I guess. I don't know. But he sent his poems into a professor at the University of Arizona, and this professor's like, yeah, these are good. I'm going to mark them up and give you, like, grades on them. And anyway, they became besties, pen pals, you know. They became the frenzies. But anyway, he was writing poetry in prison and it's just like, whoa, okay. (laughs) Now, on March 20th, 1975, Charles got into a huge altercation with two other inmates and he was stabbed over 50 times. He was stabbed in his eye, his lungs, just everywhere. Now, in the hospital, they had to remove his eye. They did a bunch of surgeries. They did all this. But unfortunately, (laughs) just kidding. I was seeing if anybody's paying attention. Not unfortunately. Charles got a blood infection. And he died 10 days later on March 30th, 1975. So there you have it, you guys. 
That's Charles. Crazy Charles, Romeo of Tucson. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm excited to bring you the next. Now, next weekend is Super Bowl, so I will try to upload another one on Saturday. But if I cannot, it'll be the following week because I know we're all going to get our Super Bowl on and enjoy. Who are you rooting for? Let me know. You can send me case suggestions if you want at twistedwickedcrimethepodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow my Instagram so you can see these pictures of these idiots and these disgusting human beings at Twisted Wicked Crime, the pod. So I hope everybody enjoyed this. I had fun doing this. If you could tell I was nervous, I was. But I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.